Welcome back. This just in. One night in Miami. So, to, we were back again with another movie review this week. Um, and I have another guest for this new movie review. We have my wonderful friend, uh, a growing expert in the field of African-American and African history and studies and cultural studies. We have my friend, Nicholas. Welcome to the podcast, Nicholas. How you doing? Hello. It's so good to be here. You know, I was, I was born for this moment just to talk about kidding. No, I, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm holding up, you know, school starting again. So, uh, yeah. Um, right. Actually, just to like put in a little like tidbit before you told me to watch this film, like I seen it, like I seen it, like literally the first day it came out, I'm like, oh, I got it. Definitely oh. check out this film. So I was very excited to watch it. So I'm glad to talk about it today. All right. So the film we are talking about today is One Night in Miami, a 2021 film available on Amazon Prime that just released. Uh, when did it release, Brasco? This weekend on Friday, I, I want to say? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I think it was Friday. But it was also at this year's TIFF and I was planning to watch it at TIFF, but then they made the announcement that it's going to be on Prime. So I'm like, I can wait. I can wait. A few months and now we're here. So One Night in Miami is a film based on a play by Kem Powers and is the directorial debut of Regina King, who is famously known for acting in The Watchmen, If Beale Street Could Talk, and Ray. So One Night in Miami tells the story of an, a very eventful night with Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, Sam Cooke, and Jim Brown. And mm-hmm. so yeah, it's based on a play and it is fictionalized and it is based on some real events. I got a new format for this review setup, and uh, we'll go with the three categories, and then we'll do some other stuff. So, first off, Bosco, what did we like about this film? What did what was your f- most standout thing of One Night in Miami? No spoilers most- for now. No spoilers for now. That's we'll save it for the second half. But yeah, one thing. I think the no the most the most uh, appreciative part of the movie is like how the actors played the roles well. Like, mm-hmm. I think the acting mm-hmm. was really good. Like, the casting, like, even the singing from... Uh, Leslie Sam, Odom Sam Jr. Kirk's yes, he's in Hamilton, I think. Yes, I think uh, so as well. Yeah, so he his voice is amazing. Like, I, I like I was really hooked on the end song. Um, who else? Muhammad Ali's character was good. He played the part well. He played the part well. I, I have to say, like, after doing some research for him, uh, for him for our televised drop last summer, his like voice and the mannerisms he got them down very very well it was yeah. i was very especially in the ring and i oh, exactly. like i like well this is the first 15 minutes so again this is going to be a little less spoiler but that establishing like first scene where he's where he's in that fight with the other guy yo you can like if you kind of put side to side with some interview footage it's like oh my gosh he yeah, looks even like similar in the ring too. yeah exactly his he doesn't look exactly the same but his mannerisms are there like I find when you watch interpretations or like people trying to play real bigger than life characters, mm-hmm. they, they have like this challenge of either playing true to their role, like being themselves or yeah. trying to do an imperson- impersonation of mm-hmm. someone else. So actors, like I find like have that balance where they do a really good job impersonating, but they're not really them or right. they are themselves, but they, but they aren't the character. Exactly. So what do you prefer? Cause I know there's a lot of, there's been, Oh, um, endless amount of biography films. We just mentioned one, Ray. I think Ray is one from I my understanding of it and kind of like this film where it's not 100% just a straight, the, the actor just is full on that person. 
right? Like, oh, Jamie so- Fox was like, in Ray was pretty much like. Okay, so he was. Okay, sorry, I'm thinking. No, sorry, I got it twisted. So in Selma, it's not a hundred percent MLK. He, he doesn't play a hundred percent. He doesn't take on the full voice. He doesn't take on the full mannerisms. He takes like an idea, oh, no, yeah. and he exactly. just extracts the key points, and then he plays off of that. Uh, with from what I know with Malcolm X, I don't know if he went full on. Would you say he went full on, or he went I like in in between? Malcolm X's character, it was more personal. Like other Malcolm X characters, like the Denzel Washington mm-hmm. one, you could see like the feelings and the emotions behind both. Like if you compared like the One Night in Miami, Malcolm X, Malcolm to X. Dan- Denzel's Malcolm X, like they're mm-hmm. pretty similar. Like they right. you could under you could see, but um, what did you think of this one? I think he fit like the hand fit the glove. Like I think it was like really? a good. Yeah, I think it was good. He was, for me, I think he was definitely more of the antagonist role, for sure, in this play. Not like a traditional antagonist, but like he was like a little bit of an instigator. I mean, I don't know if this, maybe we'll get into it later, but yeah, we'll get into it later. But I think he played a very nice, fine role. Like the character, the actor who played, did a really great job of like pulling when he needed to and pushing when he needed to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who else do we have? Jim Brown. I am not familiar with Jim Brown at all. And I, I know could, he's I an actor, and I have no idea. So, do well, you know he was anything? First a football player. So, yeah, yeah. he was so also that. He was saying, yeah, so he played on the Cleveland Browns. Very well known. He's like one of the best running backs of all time on the mm-hmm. Cleveland Browns. So, uh, yeah, I am his role. It was a very interesting role, and I and I was questioning why Jim Brown was in the mix of like all those people who are very vocal, mm-hmm. like like Muhammad Ali and. Sam Cook, like they're pretty vocal. They have differences, as we'll get into like the movie. Yeah, in the, the shits, in the shits for sure. Yeah, but um, his role, like, it's interesting. Maybe because he's an actor, mm-hmm. he probably had a say in it too. But I, I just, I just couldn't understand. You get those big faces, and then he's like, "Oh, you know, let's throw in another." Mm-hmm. Like that's what Jim Brown was for me. It was just like you got these three guys you could see anywhere when it's like Black History Month. You'll like, but then there's this low key guy. Who's just yeah, a exactly. It's mm-hmm. like if you're in the community or like you're in the niche of like football and you're a big you'll like, know, football you'll know. fan, you'll know like, oh, Jim Brown. Whoa, shit. You know, like mm-hmm. that's Okay. Yeah. And then now I wanted to save this, this person in the cast for last. Sam Cooke. Oh, yeah. No spoilers, wow. but what did you think of the portrayal of Sam Cooke? I mean, it was more of the in-between for me, mm-hmm. for, Sam, for my interpretation of like, because I watched the, the Netflix show about how he got murdered. There's a Netflix show on how he got murdered. It was intense. I don't know. I don't want to spoil who did it, but wow. Wow. Just wow. Like I loved it. Two sides of Sam Cooke or something like that. Yeah. Very. very We'll plug it somewhere maybe. Okay. And then, so that's the cast. I think their performances were all great. We'll get a little bit into the shits, but yeah, this is definitely a cast centric film would you say especially because i think the playness or the idea that it started as a play definitely kind of builds to the strength that this is a cast focused film going mm-hmm. on to that and it's more like a dialogue too right like you're yes. getting you're yeah so you're seeing that like in films especially like uh when we're doing like these cultural films it's like you're seeing what's being played out people are actually mentioning things that you mm-hmm. have in the back of your head or you see in society Right. It's There's like things like, oh, you, this, I remember this. I've heard of yeah. this. Or yeah, the stuff like that. Yeah, or like so even like when you hear it on the TV, when they're mentioning exactly. cultural references and stuff like that, we won't get into yeah. the cultural, cultural references now, but like that's a, mm-hmm. another friend of shits. But there are some interesting exactly. cultural references in this for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Okay, next thing. Uh, the pacing. 
And considering this is a first time director with Regina King, but she is very, she's an industry vet. She knows what she's doing. She's been in a lot of good shit. This was a and very interesting ride. I don't want to, we'll get into it a little bit later, but it knew where like went to go like really high and really high. And then it like, it, when it took it somewhere else, it just felt so great. Like I didn't, I didn't know where it was going to go a hundred percent of the time, but I trusted mm-hmm. that wherever it went, it would be good. And then wherever, like once we went over that hill and then we're going down, I'm like, Oh, whoa. whoa, whoa. Then when we kind of chilled a little bit, I'm like, okay, this feels good. And there was never a moment where I'm like, okay, this is going too slow. This is going too fast. I thought it was pretty solid throughout. How about you? I found like tying in the movie and just getting these group of guys together in a room. Like, have you ever like, for me, I was sitting there, I was watching the movie. And I was thinking to myself, man, if I were in a room of guys, like who would I want to talk to? Like right. if I wanted to have like this conversation, whatever, like, who, who would I want to be in the room with? So mm-hmm. I think with the screenplay idea and like how you, somehow weave a story that seems real enough and like you feel oh yeah you know like i could totally see these guys just coming together and like right. having this conversation just having like, a little, little yeah. chat after after a boxing <laughs> yeah just like yeah you know like i won i'm the king of the world i fight tussle with alligators i don't care but boom i'm here so like yeah no i i really really love the idea and i, I felt the roller coaster too but mm-hmm. it was always more it was more jarring for me just to see right. like just see these icons in a room, just interacting yeah. with each other. Exactly. Right, so another thing that I liked was the fits and especially the storytelling of the fits. Like yes. you can, you can tell of who, like, obviously they each of the, per, like, especially Malcolm X's character, he had the iconic black suit uniform, right? Mm-hmm. The other characters too, I think they all played an individual role where like you could tell from just from what they were wearing, kind of like who they were. So like, for me, it's pretty easy to see that Muhammad Ali was wearing more like the colors. His his outfits were more brighter. It was more mm-hmm. casual, more of the childish character. And then, of course, we got on the other end. We have Jim Brown, full suit, full vest and everything. And he was like the the parental figure of this group, would you say? Where he's like, he was quiet for he's most serious. of it. Yeah. But he had yeah, yeah. he had the, the, the silent power. And then mm-hmm. we had Sam Cooke. He was a bit more loud, a little, a little bit more wild, kind of playing with that. So, but he did have some, there was some heart to it too with some of the colors. And then, yeah, I think that, and it was also great for the period. Like it seemed very exactly. in the period. I love the fits throughout. Like I, I'm a big 60s guy. Like mm-hmm. I love like. So, we are yeah, partially a fits podcast. So it is important yeah. to mention fits and film. That's the podcast. And I, I'm like yeah. last oh. time. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I just wanted to point out. So yesterday was MLK day. Mm-hmm. And we're talking about one night and Malcolm X and MLK are very like different, but they were fighting for the same cause. But we'll Do get the right into thing. like, yes, in the shit, yeah, exactly. for the shit, exactly. But I just wanted to put that out there. Put that like, out there the just so we don't forget. This. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, there was a lot of things I liked in this film. And I think one mm-hmm. big thing, I think you'll appreciate this a lot more than I did, but the soundtrack and the music yes. in this film. Yeah. I'll let you take it over for this part. Yeah. What was your favorite part about the soundtrack? Or what is, oh. just talk to me about the soundtrack. I know you love, I know you love Sam Cooke, right? So yeah. hearing his songs and hearing them through, um, Leslie Odom, right? They weren't, they didn't pull just the straight up sound, right? The songs, right? He actually sang them. Yeah. So yeah. How did that so feel it was for Leslie. You? It was more organic. I felt like it feels, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, like we talked about before, about like the, the actor person duality thing. Right. Like, sure. You could get him lip singing it, but it's not really like it's real. Same, you don't really. Right? It's not, but I mean, obviously Sam Cooke is amazing and like right. you would wish to 
to hear his voice. Some Bohemian but, Rhapsody kind of. Yeah, yeah, kind of, sort of. But I feel like with Sam Cooke, what I found interesting that I, I like, I was really blown away by. So in the film, in the beginning, you hear Sam Cooke and all those like very famous songs, you know, mm-hmm. like Bob Dylan's mm-hmm. uh, song. And like, you, you see the progression of how Sam Cooke writes, like writing to the white people, you know, mm-hmm. like singing those gospel songs and like Jesus bring me water or this little light of mine. Like you could mm-hmm. see like that progression to who he's playing for, like mm-hmm. the patriotism part, like the patronage, like, like white people would pay you and I'm only playing in white clubs. Like this was right. always happening in the 1920s. The 19- it, yeah. Yeah. So that's like the, the, the history, but then now you're in the sixties. So it's still happening. It's still out there. But mm-hmm. yeah. So when, when, when you hear that, but what, what really caught my eye is that, at the end, it's let even though Leslie Owens told him it's his own song. Mm-hmm. I really loved it. I'm like, shit, Sam Cooke sounds good. Why did I never heard of this? And but it I wasn't was like, a Sam Cooke. Yeah, song. exactly. It was uh, Leslie Odom. So I really, really, really was moved by it. I would say, yeah. So, was there any Sam Cooke songs in the film that you wish were in it but weren't, or did you, were you very satisfied with the the selection they chose? I love the selection. I think like describe the story right like i feel for me songs would have a message like mm. in, a, in a movie especially like a song would it have, needs a, to have a purpose to infer yeah like i'm pretty biased like my favorite song is like either cupid by sam cook or chain gang i really love chain gang mm-hmm. but it was in the it was like there and then a, go, a third good one is bring it home to me right right but how are you gonna put bring it home to me when it doesn't really fit all, in the... yeah it doesn't mm-hmm. really fit but no, okay. Chain Gang was a really, really good uh, song in there. That, and how yeah. they did it. That, exactly. We'll get into it a little bit later. So that was all the things you liked. Was there anything you didn't like about the film? Mm, didn't like. Because I didn't, I, I didn't, didn't find anything I didn't like either. There was I nothing mean, that stood out that I'm like, mm, mm, mm. It was all like, I, even thinking about it now and prepping for this episode, I'm like, what? I don't know if there's anything that was just like, like stylistically or story-wise? Or just anything in the film. Anything in the film that was that didn't, that were just like, mm, that did it, that you just didn't feel with. You just didn't vibe with it at all. I didn't sit with like how the movie ended. Even though it was a fiction, yes. Mm-hmm. Like you just see how everyone like kind Save it for the shits. Save it for the shits. Yeah, yeah. You know, I just didn't like how the movie ended. Okay. That's all you gotta say. And before we get into the shits, we're very close, Bosco. The one more thing. What was almost there for you? Nothing... In the something in between, what would nothing? It's not that you didn't like it, but you didn't hate it either. It's just that it, perfect in between. And for me, that was like how sometimes it felt too much like a play. Obviously, it was, it's, it started. Mm-hmm. It was an adaption of a play, but I think mm-hmm. they did a good job of like. I mean, I don't know the play. I don't know if this is actually what happens in the play, but oh, they do yeah, move around similar. a bit and they do use the the art of cinema, the the language of cinema very well, especially with the blocking, like in how they, like who's on whose side, stuff like that. I think that was a great way to like, just bring it outside of, okay, this is more than just the uh, Mm -hmm. recording of the play. Right. And I think another film that, um, that was adapted from a play that did have a little bit more trouble. And like, I think this is something I noticed too, with a lot of play films where they end and start, or they start and end with stuff that where the play doesn't actually start. So if you were to watch the play, like usually the play starts where like maybe once they get all the main characters together for like, in, for this example, like once they actually get to the hotel, I think that's where the play starts in, in like the actual play. 
Like all the yeah. preamble before is just added for the film. I think I I don't know, but it feels like that was probably the stuff that they added beforehand, and then that's where they and then once they got to all together, that's when the actual play starts. And I think mm-hmm. it does border a line where it's just like okay, this I could this is just play, but I think it played it very well most of the time throughout. Where it's like okay, film, 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 where it's, it's like sticking to the film guns. I don't. Mm-hmm. Is there anything for you that was like mm, in the kind of mid for you? For for me, what was made is that the whole movie took place in one room. Like mm-hmm. that's just like for me, it was just like cool. You got them all together. You somehow weaved the story, but I just wanted to see more. Like I wanted to mm-hmm. see like how you met. Like I get it. They all knew each other from before. Right. But I just wanted to see if there was a like fictional thing. Like how would you get from A to B? I mean, A to, A to Z, but where there's no B. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh, I know this guy. I'm in a room with him. We're we're good friends. We're chummy, chummy. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. it's not, I don't know. For me, it's just like, it's like um, uh, when you're, when you're describing, when you're, when you're in a room, like when you're at a party, right? Mm-hmm. You're at a party and you're with your friend. But then someone asks you, how do you know this person? I'd be like, oh, you know, like I, I knew him a few years back. Mm-hmm. That's it. So you would want to just- see... You would want, using the medium of film, being able to teleport throughout time and space, you would want them to play into that a little bit more. So instead of just having one-off references like, oh, we met, we've been together for this many years or whatever, you wanted to see them, okay, flashback to this time. Yeah. Okay, interesting. Like, you know, like they did that, okay, well, to be fair, obviously they all like were different ages and Mm -hmm. like different stages in life. So yes, it would be very hard to do that. But I felt like if you're making a film on it, like- you have the capabilities it is part of the medium to do flashbacks and flash forwards and stuff like that yeah that's just but obviously like they did the muhammad and malgum one really well mm-hmm. like that connection was pretty bang on i would say but everyone else yeah considering that this is a film supposed to be all about the four it does kind of it is more of a malcolm uh cassius clay film at the at the mm-hmm. end of the day and now so that's yeah. the, as close as we can get to non-spoilers so bosco now before we get into the shits scores i'll go first to set the stage you can score this film however you want you can do bananas you can do pa- polo shirts whatever abc doesn't matter whatever score you want to give it so for me okay. i'm going to give it a solid 9.2 i'll give it a 9.2 wow i'll give it a 9.2 yeah Okay. Um, considering, well, I think this definitely did get boosted a lot because considering all the films that came out this year, there was not that many. So like exactly, having this refresh, yeah. like this wave of excellence just like washed <laughs> me over completely. And I was just yeah, enthralled no. in the film the whole yeah. time. So yeah, yeah 9.2 for me. Thing. I think because they're not really like standout actors, like they did really well. They are well. all low-key people. Like you, all if you didn't know, you people. didn't know. Exactly. So I would say on that standpoint, I would give it like a, an 8.7 close to 9 but Whoa, like 8.7 is okay yeah i just right. the ending didn't sit right with me but we'll get on to why. and now you can get talk about that ending because we're in the shits okay. now so wasco what did you not like about the ending the the you know how you brought up the malcolm and uh muhammad togetherness but mm. i felt sam cook and jim brown's character right like they were like a stop they were just watching on the balcony right like them doing the press conference at the very end mm-hmm. right like that part i was like i get why you're doing that it's like an easy way to wrap things up mm-hmm. but i really wanted to follow along like how jim brown like 
moved on with his career or the same way mm. with Sam Cook or right. like I know like they, they did chose Malcolm X's part mm. like they, they did give it a little bit of mention but like they did Malcolm X's part you know they like, talked about the the bibliography like him writing it like that mm. was the whole that thing, whole but, shot uh, putting the glasses yeah. down on the page on the what is that manuscript same exactly. thing with Muhammad Ali they gave him that whole moment before not even a moment it was they just gave like him the whole scene seconds. or yeah, kind, kind of a, like a shame yeah, it's just switched. like, oh, I'm changing my name. That's it. Oh, I was talking about the whole church scene. I was talking about that. Oh. But they also, I, see, I did, I did remember what you were talking about where they were like, oh, as a text blurb, they're just like, this is, this yeah. is it. Because yeah, I was yeah. thinking about it too. Like when the opening, when they're setting up all the four characters, Jim Brown's scene was like, out of the four, Jim Brown's scene was like the most like, oh, whoa, okay, this is the film, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I think his was the most like, like oh, whoa, this is where the film's going to go. With Cassius Clay, it was like, okay, this is a boxing match. Shows his personality. Sam Sam Cooke, kind of down in the shits. Um, do you remember? I, can't, I don't know why I can't remember. Do you remember Malcolm X's opening scene? Was it, was it him talking to his wife? Was that the scene? And then he was... Uh, uh, let me quickly. Yeah, I think so. It was either him talking to his wife or him in the, in the, the brotherhood, the, the, the Islam group meeting i think yes. you know what i'm talking about yes 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 yeah i think it was one of those two scenes but no, yeah okay. like no it, it was it was him coming home to talk to his mom that's was the yeah that's okay. what his opening scene was right and yeah. then so yeah the jim brown scene was like oof. but like considering later like how he kind of set up the film's tone and it's kind of sad where not sad but I, I don't know if i was fully like i was expecting a little bit more from him Considering how he set the precedent and he kind of kicked the film going forward with his well, scene. I think they all set the film, like they all attacked racism, but in mm. different forms, right? Like when Sam Cooke was at the Copa, like singing, that's like the first time we meet the guy, right? Right. Um, he's in a room full of white people. And they're and all trying to, they're all songs. like looking away. They're not giving him the piece of day or exactly, whatever. Exactly. And he's and trying then, to sing like a white yeah. song too, right? So I'm right. like, okay, I can see that. Um, Malcolm X, you know, he's always like that guy who's hated because he wants to incite violence, you know, like, mm. like I want to fight back, you know, and then, um, Jim Brown's character, I could see as like someone who doesn't really know about, Jim, like, I don't really know that much about Jim Brown, but like, yeah, like that blatantly shows what it's going to hit. But then Muhammad Ali too, right? Like yeah. he was making very good accolades for black boxers. Mm-hmm. Like not there are many. There was like Sonny Liston, obviously, and like others. But Muhammad Ali was like the greatest of all time. You know, like the yeah. champ. Yeah, literally. So that, that's that's how I saw it. I saw it as like different aspects. Mm-hmm. So I, I could see how their stories because they talked about different aspects of the same problem. Right. See, okay. I didn't think of that until until you brought it up. But yes, I can see that now, and I think it does play with it very well. I think for me, the why the one the reason why I went to Jim Brown because that was the most blatant, that was the loudest one. Even exactly. though it was the quietest scene, it was mm-hmm. the loudest moment. And I think that yeah. silence speaking the most, that was the most. That's the one that speak that like stood out to me the most. It was and the then, actions too, right? Like, yeah. Think about it. Yeah. Like in the Jim Brown one was the actions. Like and and like another thing to tie in like with the interaction of the characters, you see near the end of the film, you could see how Malcolm X is trying to reach out to Sam Cooke. Right. But no one's really reaching out to Jim. Like, Jim's apparently... That's, that's the thing, to too. Be... 
That's yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe because Jim Brown is, I guess, the least well known of that three set of men. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why he got shafted. But I think, oh, he's the least known. Maybe that's the this is the time to give him that little boost. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's not yeah. what we got, but I think he did still play a powerful again. I think that I'm thinking about it now. Each of their intro scenes kind of set up how they are going to be throughout the film, right? So as I said before, I didn't I don't know if I didn't go too deep into it in the in the what we liked whatever section, but he did have that silent powerfulness throughout the whole thing, right? Especially exactly. towards the end where it's just him and Malcolm where Jim Brown in that bed where they're on the bed and they're just talking, Jim Brown doesn't say a fucking word, but mm-hmm. his power is there. He His looks, who he looks at, and they know. Mm-hmm. As soon as he looks at them, like, okay, I know what you're saying. And mm-hmm. again, that's just power to the actors. Just being able to demand the screen and demand that, like, presence, have that presence where you're just, like, where you're just looking, saying nothing, but you get, the audience knows and the character knows what you're saying without saying anything. Exactly, exactly. Okay. Like and then, I found, sorry, go ahead. Uh, I was going to say um, a big scene for me was when Jim Brown was talking. Okay, so two big scenes. One big scene was when in the music industry, Sam Cook was talking about royalties mm-hmm. and like how he's like, I could accept that my song's not going to be up in the top charts, but if I could own the rights to the song and like do all this other stuff. I thought it was really powerful because like mm-hmm. no one really sees that. No one really pays attention the, to the that. The business of the music is... Exactly. And then the second one was when Jim Brown was talking to Malcolm X about colorism, like the Mm -hmm. idea that darker, like African-Americans and, and people like dark people with a darker complexion have a harder time than like the Malcolm X's who are like Mm -hmm. lighter skinned, right? Like that conversation is just like, obviously we are, we cannot explain that from firsthand, but from their, from their explanation of it. Yeah. It was very, very, very um, interesting to see, and like a lot, it's like you can see it all over in like text. Like you, 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 people like pick up on it a lot quicker, and they're just like, oh, you know, like if you're white passing, like that's the term, mm-hmm. like just because you're white passing. Um, there was actually books on it in the 1920s, 1930s, like written by black authors mm-hmm. who like talk about that. So yeah, very, very interesting. interesting. <laughs> Jigs, okay, <laughs> and then the music. Now I wanted to get a little bit deeper into that so yes. again leslie odom did cover all the songs throughout the film and yes. he, we kind of went into it where he was talking about how with the record industry where he although he was on like he didn't get on the billboard he did get the money though he got the bill the money from being number one or whatever mm-hmm. what did you think about the performance or how he played this how like what was what did you how do you feel about the songs like how he mm-hmm. sang them and like I want to get into like that uh, chain gang scene. How did how did you feel during that scene? Wow! Like at first, I felt eerie. I felt bad for the guy. You know, like Mike's not working, and it's just like, oh, what am I gonna do? But then it brought out a really good part of like uh, music, at least in like an like an African African American sense, that where like the rhythms and the and the beats and all that. Like when people focus on music from like an outside point of view they pick up on those things like a lot, like easier. It's like, you know, you could tell it's an Afrobeat song or it's like a soul song because it has rhythm to it. It's more lively. It's more mm. interactive. It engages like the audience. Just right? the like, shits you feel. Exactly. It just, it just, I don't know. For me, it's like, it, it warms me up inside to like see that emotion, to see that like expression. But like, 
yeah, when Leslie Odom was doing it, like I've kind of like seen that like part, like the worst Sam Cook was trying to do, right? Mm-hmm. And and like the white people, like when they're listening to this, is just like, uh, you know, it's whatever. But yeah, no, that that scene, the chain gang scene, was like really big because it switched. I think it it was like the tipping point to uh, uh, Malcolm, uh, not Malcolm, sorry, uh, Sam. Uh, realized that his words could also like make a meaning too, and it's not just like the things he does behind the scenes. Right. That's yeah. And I like that too. Like there was a lot of points in this. I, Ian explained it too. Like there was a lot of like tension building and untension built. There was a lot of like tension mm-hmm. built up and then release. And I think mm-hmm. it was perfect. Every moment when they got into a nice, uh, super heated conversation, you didn't know where it was gonna go. And then it managed to release, but then it came right back up. I think exactly. they masterfully did it. And the performances kind of played excellently to them and as well as the direction. I don't know. Anything else? Like, I think I'd watch this at least three times. Like, wow. Okay. Really good. And with that, that has been this, Justin. Thank you, Bosco, for joining me today to talk about One Night in Miami. It's been one night in the podcast world. <laughs> thank you again. Thank you. Thank you. Where can they find you? What is your thingies that people can look at? Um, you can find me on Instagram at bosco.nicholas. Mm-hmm. And, uh, your website, yeah, your little I, bloggy poo. Oh, my little bloggy poop. Okay. Uh, yeah, it's on, it's on my Instagram. You could click the link and then just check it out. I haven't been updating it recently, to be honest, because mm-hmm. I was just putting out like those little short, like just like, um, uh, frameworks at least and like ideas out there but mm-hmm. who knows maybe i'll pick it up again pick but, yeah, it up to, yeah start, to put out start there. the writing back up again my hands are cold i'm in my garage and yeah. it's really cold so that's mm-hmm. why I'm, I'm trying to do a hand gesture and it just kind of went going like this my hands are frozen yeah. all right guys exactly. that's been the episode check out bosco everything else is in the bio thank you for listening thank you for watching and i'll see you next week Bye bye <laughs>